Today will be the first of a two-part episode, and I'm diving in with a digital nomad that I absolutely admire. She and her partner didn't set out to create a business that could operate from anywhere, but transitioned to that when they realized that's the lifestyle they wanted. So this first episode is all about that transition. The things that they had to put in place, the fears they had, what her day looks like now, working from anywhere, and how that's changed as she's incorporating another segment into her business portfolio. So if you've wondered what it takes to run your business from anywhere in the world, grab a pen as we just scratch the surface with all these great nuggets. If you're a female entrepreneur who wants to break free from the pressure and experience peace and alignment to live that life you've always envisioned, then this is the show for you. I'm your host, Jamie Milam. All my life, I've been self-reliant with a figure-it-out mentality, starting with being on my own at the age of 15, overcoming drug addiction when I learned I'd become a mom at 19, and rebuilding my life out of a single Rubbermaid storage tote to now running the three businesses I've built. So I'm no stranger to pressure. My figure it out mentality created systems that helped, but I still found myself headed to burnout. I learned to listen to myself and apply the most powerful tool I had, my own self-awareness. So I shifted to incorporate my true self and align my strategies accordingly. And now I apply this practice to every area of my life. I'm on a mission to help you develop a practice of self-awareness, to learn to value yourself so you can honor those parts of you in your daily activities and finally live that life you're determined to have. This is Determined AF. Welcome back to Determined AF, where we are here to help you create that life that you are determined to have. I'm your host, Jamie Milam, and today I am so delighted to dive in with Renee Latour because she is living my dream life, y'all. When we talk about getting into business for ourselves, for freedom and flexibility, um, y'all, Renee is doing that. She got into the entrepreneurial world back in 2016, and she and her partner decided to build their business to operate fully on a remote basis so that they could travel the world. I mean, heck yeah. Sometimes you guys are spending like a month in a city. Sometimes it's several months. And uh, I imagine if you're going to travel the world and run multiple businesses, then you're going to want to step away from the laptop so you can actually get out and explore the new locations that you're in. And so How do you do that? It's uh, systems, you guys, systems that include delegation and automation and something that Renee calls non-toxic productivity. So without further ado, welcome, Renee. Thank you for carving out some time. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I love your energy. That was an amazing introduction. I cannot wait to get into the weeds about this whole lifestyle. And like you said, the systems that run things in the background. So I am great. I am in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I still have not been able to pronounce it properly because everyone out here says Buenos Aires. And I'm just, it does, it's not happening for me yet. So hopefully by the time I leave, I'm properly pronouncing the city like, like the locals do. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, cause a couple months ago, I think you were in Peru. So I was wondering where you were at today. I mean, so that's so exciting. So I'm just going to dive in because I, when people think about, you know, traveling full time and running a business, I imagine that there can be this fear that they're going to be overwhelmed with like the pressure to keep it up. So 
before really diving into the specifics of the business side, can we can we actually start by talking about what you did in order to prepare yourselves for this digital nomad lifestyle and and proactively reduce any pressure that you may have foreseen? Yeah, that's a great place to start because I want to just be really upfront. I had no idea that I'd be living this lifestyle. I did not think about this. Like I was talking to someone a few days ago and a couple of years back, I was living in South Africa and there was like wild zebras in the yard while I was working you know, on my laptop and my partner snapped a picture of it and I was sharing the picture and I never thought that I would be, you know, I, I just didn't even think about this. And it's kind of funny to say that now in 2023, because everything that happened in 2020 and 2021 really accelerated remote work and people's openness to being able to work wherever. So now I say, and it sounds kind of funny, like, wait, what? You didn't think it was possible? And no, the reality was I didn't think it was possible. And it wasn't until six months into my entrepreneurial journey, running our finance company. And it was only because we took a trip to Europe And we only took that trip because we were with family and we spent a couple of weeks with family. And then after that, my partner and I spent another like three weeks just kind of backpacking through Europe. And it was only at that point that we realized we could run the business remotely. And so the vision that we had for the business up until that point was very different from what we're doing now. We were thinking we were going to have a big brick and mortar. We were going to have a lot of employees. We're going to have, you know, entire sales teams. And, you know, you look out onto the floor, the sea of cubicles, like that was really the vision for the company. And it wasn't until we got the taste of location freedom that we reevaluated everything. And we realized how simple it could be to be able to be remote and be able to run the business from anywhere if we had the right things in place, if we had the right strategies and the right systems in place. So from 2017 up until 2019, so it's like two years that I really became obsessed with having a remote first business. But up until that point, it wasn't even on my radar. So I think the first thing was making the decision like, oh yeah, we can do this from anywhere. And then building out into a, a business that actually does run by itself. And I remember, you know, just a couple of years ago, waking up to business being done without me, like being able to have things happening in the States without me even touching the deal at all. But it took time to get there. Like it took a couple of years to get there. So I think like first things first was us just deciding like, yes, we want to be able to travel full time and we want to be able to step away from the business and have the business run without us. Yeah, I love this transparency because you share that you guys had a different vision when you got into business for yourselves in the first place, which I think a lot of us do. You know, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And same with once you go and you travel. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've shared that with you too, is that was where I got my travel bug. You know, it's like, oh, I went to Italy and it's like, oh, wait, I really have to take a step back and say, Have I been living and creating my life in a way that is truly honoring what I deeply desire? I mean, I got into business for myself so that I could A, travel more, B, have more freedom and flexibility to do those things. But was I actually setting myself up to do that? And then again, like you said, it takes a couple of years. It takes time to build that up, to get yourself in a position where it does run a little bit more on autopilot. 
because building anything, starting something new takes time. And so once that vision changed for you guys, did you then do anything that helped set you up for that transition that would allow you to, you know, have that flexibility with a little bit less pressure? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, like I said, after making the decision, it's like, okay, now what needs to happen? Let's get the wheels in motion. And that's where I really geared up the operational side of me. And this is what I was doing even before 2016. I was actually working in government, but my entire career in government, the whole 10 years was all about strategic planning, having standard operating procedures in place, having efficient processes and onboarding new technologies so that we stayed efficient. And so we always stayed working as efficiently as possible. I didn't really think that background would really come into play in my entrepreneurial journey, but it kicked in immediately once we realized, okay, this lifestyle is nice and all. Like when we were back in Scottsdale, I'm, I'm from Arizona and living in Scottsdale, we had an really amazing life. Like we could go golf whenever we wanted to. I spent hours on end at the gym. It wasn't like I was working 12 hour days, you know, even in the very beginning stages of my entrepreneurial journey. But having the location freedom of being able to work in any time zone is a completely different ballgame. And people might not realize until you actually experience it. So even that first trip in Europe, we were on the phone with clients at midnight and it wasn't sustainable. And also, like I said, we weren't really being transparent because people really weren't open-minded to that, especially our business being in the financial services space. There was really no purpose for us to say, hey, I'm in Europe, by the way. Like, there's no reason to even do that. So, we always wanted to make sure that we delivered to our clients, our partners at the highest level that we always would have, even if we were back home. So, we didn't want our customer service to suffer at all. So, that was our main concern is like, we want to continue growing our business and making our clients and, and customers are very happy. And we don't want that to, to fall. So, you have to kind of create that culturally, like, hey, what is the expectation on how we, how we interact with our business? Because being at your customer's beck and call, like answering on the first ring is convenient when you're back in the States working, you know, normal nine to five, normal time zone. It's not so convenient when you're in Europe or even worse, Southeast Asia, one of my favorite places. <laughs> Not my favorite place to be up at 3 a.m. on a client call, like trying to keep my eyes open. And I've been there. So if we think back to 2018, so a year after that first trip to Europe, I'm trying my best to try to get systems in place, trying to delegate, trying to remove us as the bottleneck in our business. But even a year later, I was still on the phone at 3 a.m. trying to close a deal. So I knew that, yes, I could run my business from anywhere. And we were taking a lot of trips. We were traveling a bunch, but it still wasn't at that level that I needed it to be to have that full flexibility. And for some people, I think it comes down to what you are okay with, because there's going to be, again, culturally things need to shift. Like being at our client's beck and call is very convenient when we're on the same time zone. Yeah. I have no problem getting back to you right away. When you're in Southeast Asia, having a 24 hour turnaround time we, we, again, there was fear there. There's natural fear. Like, okay, I'm actually going to get to my clients within 24 hours. And that's going to be the new norm in our business. The fear is we're going to lose clients. We're going to lose deals. And we didn't see any of that happen. It can happen, right? If you have certain clients, like for example, I had a client who we had a conversation like, Hey, you're, you're not answering on the first ring. And I told him straight up, I'm not going to answer on the first ring. 
So if you need me to answer on the first ring, we're not a good fit. And that's okay because you're going to find someone who you want that accessibility to. They're just going to be there, you know, and, and you need that from them. That's not what you're going to get with me. And that doesn't mean that my service is suffering because of it. Like I still deliver services at the higher level, actually even a higher level, because what you'll come to realize, and again, sometimes it's harder to talk about it until you actually experience it yourself, is that clients figure things out on their own, that not everything is urgent. Like we have all of these very toxic expectations in business and we're not in the ER room. So it doesn't need to be handled everything urgent straight away at your beck and call. What often happens that is that leads to a lot of inefficiencies. And I was even seeing that in my business. And it's so funny because I wake up still, still to this day, just it's on a monthly basis, I'll wake up to emails and the first email will say, Hey, I need this right away. You know, I need X, Y, Z for this deal. And then an hour later, oh, you can disregard my email. I actually didn't need that. We're fine. We're good to go. And so if I would have had the ability to look at those emails, if I wasn't sleeping, for example, I would have wasted my time responding to the first email just to realize that they actually didn't need what they were asking for and nothing was urgent. And I feel, and and customer service hasn't suffered at all. I feel being able to get back to someone within a 24 hour timeframe is just fine for like 99% of businesses. Like no one's going to die here, people. Like if you have an online business and you need someone to respond to you, you know, right on the spot, there's case by case where, where that does need to be the situation. But for our finance company, for example, it didn't need to be that way. And it just took us deciding we do not need to be answering on the first call. And actually a lot is solved on its own without us answering on the first call. So I know that was kind of a long dissertation there, but my point that I'm trying to make is that a lot of our fears hold us back of like, oh, we don't want our customer service to suffer, which is a great fear to have. That to me is showing that you actually care about client delivery. You actually care about what you're doing in your business. But I can guarantee you that if you set it up structurally in in a systematic way, that it won't suffer. And that actually will result in better relationships you're actually going to have client relationships that are much stronger and mutually respected because when you have those boundaries and when you say, Hey, this is how I structure my way of doing business. If you don't like it, you can find someone else. People have so much more respect for you. Again, there's situations where that's not the case, but for most situations that I deal with, with myself and my clients, people have more respect and you actually attract better clients, not being so accessible, not being, you know, on your phone waiting for them, you know, to get back to you. There's just a higher degree of respect, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And here's what I'm hearing from you, which is to be a little proactive for you guys to make that transition you had to use that background that you had in the systems, right? Like having those, the onboarding process, having an operations manual, having just those procedures in place in a written and documented way, because as I would imagine, that helps you A, keep things consistent, be able to keep some streamlined or automated workflows, and then add in leverage when you want to start to delegate things as well. So getting it really systematized in a manner that you could bring on more help to be able to help with those things, whether those are virtual assistants or again, automated workflows, you know, that's still, automation is still leverage. And so getting systematized was really helpful. The other thing I'm hearing is setting expectations because I say this all the time, setting expectations reduces frustrations 
And as a realtor, you know, being 1099 commission-based, it's the same mentality. If I don't show up and give them instant access to me, there are a dime a dozen, they're going to go find somebody else. And what you find is most of the time they want instant information. So if you have a bunch of like frequently asked questions, or if you have, you know, in our world, a transaction coordinator or a virtual assistant, somebody that is on those email threads that can respond when you're not available, they're able to get that information. Or for some businesses, it might be a frequently asked questions section on their website, something that they can go to and just find those answers. But if you set the expectations hey, I will be available for calls or I will return calls from your emails between this time and this time, then they already know what to expect from you. I remember July 1st, 2020 is when I changed my voicemail to say, if you have reached me after 7 p.m. or on a Sunday or on a holiday, I will return your call the next business day. Now, did that mean that people just didn't call me or leave me voicemails or even send me a text after leaving me a voicemail, meaning they heard my message? <laughs> they did. Mm -hmm. But did I respond? No, because you teach people how to treat you. And you will find those clients that want to respect the boundaries. And all of that really starts with tuning into your vision for your needs, your desires, the way that you envision your business running and what does your business need? So again, what kind of leverage do you need to have ready to go to be able to build a life like that? So I'm glad that you brought up kind of that limiting belief, that fear of, oh, we have to be on the phone at 3 a.m. We have to return their calls right away. And you're exactly right. Every solopreneur that has started out on business on their own, they have that same limiting belief. And it's not until you experience it differently that you start to see like, oh, I am allowed to have boundaries. I am allowed to honor time away for myself. So whether it's somebody that's going to go and travel full time or even just want to take a weekend off or go take a week-long vacation, these are still things that you can put into place to make that happen so that you can be present with where you're at and what you're doing when you want to do that. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's the difference of abundant thinking versus scarcity thinking. And yeah, I, I mean, we're not talking about like when you're first starting a business, heck yeah, you better be there answering the phone. You better re be responding. Like you're just trying to build up your business and you're trying to figure out what works and, and stuff like that. But once you have that solid foundation, then it's just a matter of really, again, a lot of it has to do with ego too, because it's your ego thinking that you have to be the one to respond or that you're the one that's only going to know how to do it in X, Y, Z way, or you're the one that knows the best way to handle something. And I've only experienced the opposite of, like you said, having FAQ. So my ops assistant has a full FAQ of like all the questions that are generally asked during our deal process. And he has that to go back to. Those questions do not need to be answered by me. They can be answered by anyone in the ops team, but he has that because I put that together. Right. And, and I'll be honest, like things do fall through the cracks or there are some things where you know, because the question was asked in a certain way, I would have answered it a certain way. And that does come up just because I have more industry knowledge than he has. So there are hiccups. I want to make sure I'm not painting this picture like, oh, delegation is just so beautiful and easy. And simple. no, it is simple. You know, when you, again, have to decide, like, these are things that I want to take off of my plate and have someone else do it and know and trust that they could probably even do it better. You know, and it's all about having 
those processes in place and not only for them, but also for you, because that is your, your system. I like to really make sure that we're not overcomplicating this whole system thing because people talk about, you know, tech or they talk about this. It's, it's not, it's very simple documenting your processes so you can remove yourself from the process so you can remove yourself as the bottleneck and being able to pass that on to someone. But even for yourself, you don't realize how much brain power you're using just always tapping back into your head. Oh, how do I do that again? How do I, you know, and for years we were just doing that. Like we didn't have everything documented, you know, the first couple of years of business, it was just continuously putting out fires, going back to our head, you know, typing out things manually and not having it automated. So yeah, the first couple of years are, are messy in that way. But once you have, okay, this is the thing I'm doing over and over again, just being able to decide, okay, I need to document this so that I can eventually delegate it to someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Even if you are in a position where you have an assistant that is local, like that can be their starting job is just documenting those processes. But you're exactly right because those first couple of years that you're working on your business, you know, again, I'm going to say it again. You don't know what you don't know until you know it. And so you don't even know what your ideal client looks like. You have to build up your business roster enough that you have incoming business, you know, month over month income being generated so that then you can kind of slow down to say, which of these people that I've been working with do fit kind of more my ideal clientele? You know, you start to become a lot more aware of what boundaries you start to feel are, are being resisted or disrespected. And you may not have realized that those were boundaries when you first got into the business. If you start to pay attention and become aware of those little triggers and your body gives you those cues, right? So when you start to pay attention to that, then you can start to create either the process, you know, or a plan or a workflow or at the very least, the expectation and letting your clients know, this is how we operate, setting that expectation up front before you sign a contract, making sure that they're going to be just as good of a fit for you as you are for them. And I think that that's important and you, you get to earn your way into that. But of course, everybody tends to have their non-negotiables. Again, whether they're in different time zones from the, the majority of their clients, you know, if they're just local, but either way, if you're a working mom and you know that you have to be done by four o'clock, then you tell your people, I am not able to work or take calls after 4 p.m. Eastern time or whatever. Is that going to work for you? You're setting those expectations up in advance. And if you start to hear these conversations where you're learning like, oh, there are little systems that I can put into place that will make it easier when I am ready to onboard delegation, business has started to pick up. It's going way faster than I thought. I need to get some help in here sooner than later. This is how you can help set up the expectations, even for your virtual assistant, letting them know, here's the way I want you to respond to people. And then just communicating, looking for done, not perfect. When you're starting to learn to onboard and manage delegated leverage, that is a key mindset piece that you have to be aware of. You're not going to know how to do it perfectly. It's not going to be the easiest thing, but it is a necessary thing in order to scale. And so I think that those are really important key factors that we touched on because I know, and you probably can relate to this, Renee, starting your business out, being an entrepreneur and trying to get as many clients as you can in the door, you tend to be working those 50 plus hour work weeks. And I, I think even you've shared with your background, Sam, like you've gone from back in the day being paycheck to paycheck. And now 
you're on growing your third business just as I am. And you're helping other entrepreneurs like successfully run their business and, and letting them know it is possible to get to this place where you're only working a couple hours a day. So can you tell us a little bit about what your average workday looks like now? Yeah, definitely. And I'll talk a little bit about, because for fear of, of confusing the listeners, we still run our finance company. So that business still runs essentially without us. So my partner and I, we run that business together. We both collectively only work five to six hours per week maximum. So only a few hours per week on that business. So that is still bread and butter. You know, that has afforded us our lifestyle, our financial freedom, our location freedom, all of that. So that business still runs essentially without us. The business that I'm focused on right now is obviously my consultancy. So I help clients also remove themselves from their business. So I help solopreneurs do exactly what I've done with the finance company and I helped other entrepreneurs do the same thing. So with that business, I how I like to see things is not so much of how many hours did I work per day. It's more about having like an energy check-in, if that makes sense. So for me, I know again, cause everyone's different. That's why I hate like, Oh, wake up at this time, go to sleep at this time, blah, 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 blah. Like all of the morning routines, evening routine, blah, blah, blah. you know, like, Oh, you shouldn't be working eight hours. Well, I'm not going to say that if you love working eight hours and you feel great and you feel energized and you, who am I to say that there's, there's a right and a wrong. There's absolutely no right or wrong. So with my consultancy, because I'm more in the growth stage and not so much in the scale stage, right? And so I'm very aware of my season of business that I'm in. And sometimes entrepreneurs, we, because we are doers and action takers, we like to get ahead of ourselves. So for me, I have a lot of humility as I'm building my consultancy. So I have to, and and it's hard because I have so much leverage in the other business and I've done so much operationally with delegating, onboarding, everything is just like basically running like a, a really smooth machine and being able to be humble enough to say like, oh, I'm doing things really inefficiently right now. And it hurts sometimes because it's just hurting my system's thinking but I always have to check myself to not get ahead of myself and try to systematize too early. And I see this time and time again, like you're trying to optimize something that isn't proven yet. So even for me, like I have a lot of different client avatars right now. I'm navigating like even what the best um, social media platform is. Like there's a lot of stuff that's messy and I've embraced the mess. I think it's a big part of being a successful entrepreneur is embracing that and being able to say like, I know I have my vision and hold my vision to know that my work days are going to look a lot more efficient. So I'm just full transparency. I am not in that uh, space right now. I'm in a very messy space and navigating through a messy space of what I'm focused on right now and growing this business is constantly checking in with my energy. When do I feel, when do I feel like I'm really my most productive? When is my focus work most, um, like feel, feeling like a a sense of ease? Like, how does it just feel very flowing? It's just coming out of me. So I know for myself, I'm a morning person. So I, my body naturally wakes up early so I can wake up as early as 5am anywhere between five and seven, I'm up. And for me, just getting some stretching, like I have to move my body just to get my energy flowing. And then I just get right to like, let me get a cup of coffee and let me get into what I'm working on. 
you know, for me, I have a, a system that I use, make sure my, my clients are good. So make sure everything's going fine with the finance company, like making sure everything's taken care of, everything is, is good. And then from there, it's like, okay, now let me get to leads, lead generation, you know, social media, like all the ways that I'm bringing in new business. And then after that, it's like, okay, let me look at everything administratively, what needs to happen, you know, administratively, whatever's on my to-do list. So one thing that I see people do is putting things off, you know, all the admin stuff and it hangs in your head. It hangs in the background of your mind and it actually occupies space. So I like to get to those things. Again, my clients come first, lead gen stuff comes first, but then it's like, okay, let's handle the administrative stuff that's hanging on my head and occupying space. And a lot of times when you're working on something in the growth stage of your business, it's very easy to get distracted by things that aren't moving the needle. So I constantly throughout my day, check in with my energy. How do I feel about this energetically, whatever I'm working on? And then I check in with like, is this moving the needle? Is this a needle mover in my business? And I try to always constantly have that awareness and that check-in as I'm working through things because it's really messy. And for me, because of being remote, different places that you live, like in Peru, I was waking up at 5 a.m., hitting the gym before I even opened my laptop or anything, and then getting to work after that and not working past noon. That was working really great for me. And I've done this before, like no work past noon. Again, energetically, that's for me because I'm a morning person. If you're someone who has like really creative work and you're like really in flow in the afternoon, then that wouldn't work for you, right? Um, so that was working really great. And then that was completely hijacked when I came to Argentina because they're late night people out here. <laughs> like they're very similar to Spain. So coffee shops don't even open until 9 a.m. And so I'd be lucky to even find a cup of coffee at seven or find a gym that's open. So I have to constantly be flexible and be okay with that uncertainty. So that's why moving here to Argentina, I'm like, all right, I can't do what I was doing in Peru. I have to switch it up. For me, like just waking up when my body wakes up, even though the world outside is not awake, um, I can't go to the gym, you know, so I just have to do my stretches, do something super light. And then I don't go to the gym till later in the afternoon. So it's not normally what I would do, but it's how I adjust. And then only having those few hours of work. So four hours of work, if I can't get what I need to do in four hours, something's wrong. And I need to look at like what's going on inefficiently, even if, even though I'm in the building stage of my business. I, I think that this is important pieces of the conversation because uh, I, I am a massive proponent of finding alignment that is specific for you. And you can't do that unless you are aware of what your needs are, what your desire is in, in the way that you want to show up in your personal life and in your business, like where your priorities lie and removing the pressure and removing the shame of the should, because that's something that you had said, right? Is like, okay, I should be working eight hours or I should be doing this, but that, that is shame. That is somebody else's definition of what the growth period looks like or what their version of success looks like. And that is exactly what I fell into for so many years. Because yes, I embraced the suck. I embraced the mess. But for me, it was, okay, well, if the two hours of daily lead generation did not convert into today business, then I felt that pressure of, well, then that means I just need to keep going. I didn't succeed today. I didn't win. 
When even though I learned that if you do that consistently, the business will come. The consistency will outpace that talent, even if you don't see those immediate results today. And time and time again, I've been in sales for over a decade. And no matter the industry, it always took about three to six months of that consistency to hit the momentum. I'm not saying to like get a win, you know, that sometimes was luck, you know, but also you wouldn't have the luck if you weren't putting in the work, but you don't find that real momentum or that tipping point until about three to six months in of that consistent lead generation. And I have found that to be true in several different industries that I've been in across, you know, medical sales, real estate, online consulting, so on. So I think that it's important that we give ourselves some grace in feeling at peace with, did we do the thing that was most important to move the dial, to do the lead generation? And if we did, then we've earned the right to move on to the next thing, which might be, you know, that content creation or responding to the emails, whatever that flow looks like for you, as long as those things are done first before the creation of the future want to's because as, as entrepreneurs and solopreneurs, especially we have these big visions, these grand ideas, we're wearing all of the hats. So it's really easy to get caught up in the marketing aspect of things, which, you know, focusing on the pretty or all the editing and all of the different things. Well, does that matter if you don't have anybody even listening Right. And have you identified where to go find the people that will listen the most? And when you're doing those things, like you said, you said you're exploring which social media platforms. Right. And I think this is important because everybody ends up getting this space of like, oh, I have to do it this way. I have to build my big business in a Facebook group or on, you know, Instagram. Well, pay attention to your energy. If you feel drained and you feel like you are stuck in imposter syndrome, you are overthinking everything that you were creating, you were over comparing yourself to what you see out there, maybe that's not the platform for you or rearrange how you're seeing the platform and engaging with the platform so that you're not paying attention to those things and you're using a scheduler that will just put it out there for you so that you don't have to see, you know, in the feed and you're just in the DMs instead. There are different ways to adjust the strategy, but as Renee said, you've got to check in with your energy. That's the only way to find whatever sort of time block, the time management, the routine, that's the only way to find what will work for you is checking in and tuning in with yourself. And if that means like, you guys, I, I'm in a season with a 17-year-old with car after car issue, which is following a year and a half after divorce. Like the seasons have been different for me. So when I know that I can operate at a really high level and build a really big business going 50 hours a week, you know, and then, yeah, dropping it down, creating more boundaries, you know, earning half a million dollars a year. Like if, if I could do that, but then now doing it as a single parent with all these other pressures of needing to show up and wanting to show up and be present with where I'm at and do it a lot more peacefully with a lot less burnout, it means I'm going to have to slow down. And I can put that pressure on myself really easily. Like, well, you know that you can do this. Just like Renee said, like, you know that you can be way more efficient in how you run your day but you're in that growth stage. And sometimes you have to say, I'm in this season of my life that requires me to spend more time in this personal area than 
really hands and knees deep into my business. And that's okay because you just are adjusting your timeline some, and you have to be okay with being patient with that. And, and it can be really painful. I I hear you when you say that, like I am a systems gal, I love leverage. Mm -hmm. I am also, you know, I'm a high performer. I enjoy doing, you know, I know somebody who, you know, her, her kid has moved out, you know, she is now an empty nester. She lives by herself and she is, she's still in her business, like eight, nine hours a day. She is go, go, going. She's in year two of her business. And that's what she wants to do. But that's not going to be the same if you've got kids that you're running around taking to sporting events, or you've got a family member at home that you're having to care for. We have to tune out that over comparing and really tune into what is right, authentic, and in alignment for us as individuals and honor that because they're valid. It is really your need. It's your desire. It's valid. There's no reason to ignore it and devalue it. So I think that those are really important factors because you do have to embrace the mess and and really tune out the shoulds that really are easy to come up with because you know that you're capable, right? Like you see the vision, you want it so bad, you're determined to, to hit those goals Uh, but you're jumping ahead. We have to walk. We have to really get stable before we can run and just see everything shoot out. And then you can afford the leverage. You don't have to do all of the things. And so, yeah, I mean, I know that you've already talked about having an ops team, you know, that I'm sure is virtual. And I know that that's in your finance business, but, you know, because you and I both love leverage and we know that, in order to run a few different businesses, especially if you're in different time zones and you're moving around time zones, you know, leverage can bring us automation or delegation, but it gives us that ability to have repeatable and duplicatable business and scalable business. So what's the most common element that you see missing when it comes to strategy or leverage that would just be so easy to implement sooner than later? Okay, guys, I'm going to pause this there because I really want you to have the opportunity to let this sink in. We covered a lot about how Renee is living this digital nomad lifestyle, and we're going to pick it up next week so that she can answer this question about what it is that you can do to implement leverage into your world sooner than later. Um, And what I love about it is that it actually includes a lot of awareness. And she's going to talk about how you can create awareness in your business specifically to know how to implement leverage. Okay. So until then, you guys, I'm curious about what it is that you're wanting to do for your bigger long-term vision. Is it that you want to have a digital nomad lifestyle so that you can travel like Renee and her partner? Or are you wanting to create a really tight community local to where you're at. I would love to hear. So be sure to send me some messages and until next week, keep being determined AF.